Namaste. The subject on which I have been asked to speak is humanity, humanitarianism and social health. It is the topic which is occupying the human mind so much in this age and it's good in a way because at some point of time we have to come out of our small little narrow grooves with which we identify ourselves blindly and enter into a larger sense of self. So it, it indicates that. But this entry into a larger sense of self has to be understood rightly. Otherwise we may once again in trying to do good, do more harm to the very cause for which we are standing. So I have two stories which come to my mind. One is the story of uh, a sage. This story is told by Sri Ramakrishna. And it's the story of a sage who was passing by the village. And there were children who were very much, you know, afraid. They wanted the sage's advice. So they asked him that um, we have a problem and we want to consult you. And the sage said, yes, most welcome. So what is the problem? He said, there is a, you know, deadly cobra who lives there around the bushes and each time we go there he hisses and sometimes he bites and you know we are very scared we can't play so the whole village was very scared of the cobra so the man said see uh, instead of giving you an advice I'll give an advice to the cobra because as long as he retains his own nature there is not going to be any change in the situation so sages, it seems, have that kind of capacity and this is not just a story. It is said that in Raman Maharishi's ashram around that area, wild animals lost their capacity to be wild. And uh, Shurbindo speaks of that. The tiger does not attack the yogi. It is there in one of the aphorisms and it has actually happened. There are two stories. One is story within story. <laughs> one is the story of the mother where she was sitting in meditation by the side of a tree and suddenly she felt a little uncomfortable. She comes out and sees, uh, she uses the word beauty, looking at her. And that beauty was none else but King Cobra. And she looks at the cobra and she is wondering, why is he come? I am not threatening it in any way. Animals don't attack unless they feel threatened. So she realizes she is sitting on his house. So she slowly begins to shift and then the cobra realizes that, you know, she is no threat to me and goes back slithering and jumps into the pond. And the other is of uh, Madam Alexandra David Neal who was uh, in Tibetan mountains and uh, she was told don't go through that because passage because there, are, there is a tiger there and he attacks. And you know, tiger is beastly creature. If at all you want to really, it's not lion, lion is still okay. But it's like huge, formidable cunning and uh, really so she was going but still she said no it's okay I'll go through that passage so she was walking alone and sure enough the tiger uh, encountered her so she sat down in meditation she entered into a state of utter compassion she was a Buddhist and she said if uh, this what the Lord wants that I should be eaten by the tiger let me not have any fear or uh, anger or hatred towards the tiger and I am ready and prepared so she was ready and prepared, but probably the tiger felt otherwise. He was not used to taking such a sweet meal. Uh, he would attack those. Actually, animals attack if they get a smell of fear 
or anger, aggression. They are very sensitive to it. But here was a calm countenance. That's why it is said that many of these animals don't attack if they think you are dead. Basically, they catch some, something that emanates from us. And that's a law of the whole universe. We incite anger in others, hatred in others. But that's a different story altogether. Love and kindness in others. So the tiger had gone away and she realizes it later on. So in this story, the yogi goes and tells this uh, cobra that why are you doing this? You know, your life is, you know, people curse you, they don't like you and all the children are scared of you. Is this life worth living this way? So he says, yes, you have a point. What do I do? He says, don't bite them. And he walks away. Cobra takes it to heart, a little bit too much to the heart. So after one year when the sage comes, now it is a cobra who is lamenting. He is in the bushes, he is full of pain, full of wounds. And he asks the cobra, what happened to you? Why are you in this state? He says, you told me not to bite. I didn't bite. So now children play with me, they put stones, they pelt stones, and they take it that, you know, this fellow won't bite. So because of your advice, this is my state. So the Mahatma tells him, I told you not to bite, I didn't tell you not to hiss. You didn't get me fully. So this is one side of the story, where when we try to help humanity or try to understand humanitarianism in a certain context, we have to take into account that there are human natures which are uh, a disturbance to the whole creation. See, the larger good, as Sri Krishna puts it in the Gita, the collective good of mankind, the collective march of mankind. And if we don't keep that into consideration, even surgeons do it when there is something gangrenous, when there is something cancerous, they do remove it. Or they try to change the cells. This is the new thing where they try to integrate the cells. It's best if one can do that. So this is one aspect of it. And the other story is the story of the, uh, it's a well-known story where a caterpillar uh, is feeling very stifled. Why? Because it eats and eats and it starts producing a cocoon out of itself. And that cocoon is very stifling and constricting. And it creates a lot of pain and uh, depression in the caterpillar. So, you know, much of depression is because of we feel stifled inside. And we don't know how to release that which seeks release. That which seeks really release is our soul. We don't know that. So we are just stifled. So when you feel stifled, what happens when somebody is angry? One is angry with oneself, but one throws the anger outside. You are responsible. You are this. So that's what is happening to the poor caterpillar in his little caterpillar world. Well, big caterpillar world. It may be little for us, but for the caterpillar, it's his whole universe. So he's very unhappy and there goes a man and sees, uh, uh, sees the caterpillar in so much agony and he knows, oh, it's because of the sheath. Like doctors, no? when you go to a hospital, they want to cure you with immediately. Oh, this is because of this virus. This is because of this. And he cuts the sheath and feels very great that he has done a great deed. But this great deed turns out to be the worst deed one could ever do. So caterpillar was uh, being stifled by nature to become a butterfly. And it's forever, you know... It cannot, can never become a butterfly now because, you know, the sheath was the one which was creating within the caterpillar the stimulus to come out. So when we talk about humanitarianism, even helping humanity, we must be very, very careful as to whether our help is going to really hurt or hinder. Also, sometimes we start playing with destiny, playing God and, you know, it's, it's very dangerous to do that. We know this um, Garuda's compassion when he, you know, there is a whole party going on in Mount Kailash and 
all the gods are celebrating they they every day for them is a new year day huh? so but their day if you go by their day then 10000 years on earth so they are celebrating some kind of victory and uh, everybody comes in their own vehicle so shiva is inside nandi is outside and brahma the swan is outside and he goes inside and vishnu bhagwan comes garuda is outside and he goes inside now comes yama yama goes inside and leaves the buffalo outside now yama is uh, in mercedes car but uh, i mean those days uh, this is not just a mercedes car is not just a joke it is a metaphor but leave that story outside <laughs> so <laughs> the the garuda sees that just before going inside yama has looked very intently at a little bird and goes inside so garuda says oh this fellow wants to kill him and i am going to save so he says okay i am going to foil your plan so he picks up the bir- little bird after all same species and he is the garudis pakshiraj you know he is the king of the birds and takes to the other end of the earth because garuda is so fast within a jiffy he takes places the bird there comes back and is smiling as if nothing has happened and yama comes out and now his eyes are full of wonder looking for that bird and garuda smiles and says oh i know what your intent was so he says oh really yes you wanted to that you knew that the bird is going to die and you were going to take the bird and so you were wondering he said no i was not wondering at that the bird was meant to die on the other end of the earth and i was wondering how this bird is ever going to reach there but strange are the ways of the lord that someone has made sure that she is on the spot where she must die so when we speak about helping humanity we must understand there are many many strands which are complex this idea that i help people just by giving food is uh, the common prevalent idea very often we feed others to satisfy our own sense of as shubindu says in one of his aphorism that uh, a robber's conscience is satisfied by giving alms and philanthropy because one is robbed so one indulges in philanthropy to satisfy a robber's conscience that i have also done my share of giving <laughs> but very often this kind of giving is um, it doesn't do good it it flatters the philanthropist which is not good for him uh, and it uh, takes away the evolutionary impetus from the man who is receiving this unaccounted unwarranted somebody comes and gives him money or gives him food or clothes and the person you know that urge which should be there see when people are in great tamas they need some impulsion and that impulsion is through desire it's you know they are not practicing if you give them everything it's not that they will become very nice people tomorrow uh, more likely than not they will say oh now i have these things i want more things and that greed of a kind will will begin to develop which will be counterproductive so well this when we speak about humanitarianism we must understand what is best for human beings it's like for the snake snake has been given poison with a certain purpose nature is not a fool so snakes have their own balance of nature it is known you know that famous story of janmejay's nagyagi he wants to destroy all the snakes in the world why because one of the snakes has bitten my dad so he takes it very personally and doesn't nagyagi it's a very famous book which has been written on this incidents and janmejay his son uh, and all the nag come from everywhere they are drawn helplessly and they die they they jump into the fire and die it's a nagyagi so till they are stopped by he stopped that you are disturbing the entire balance of creation 
So we have to keep in mind that the balance of creation is so important. Even Lord Vishnu when he comes so as to maintain the balance of creation, takes the form of an avatar where he depresses the evil, removes it, you know, engages with the good, uplifts it. So one has to understand that this kind of senseless idea of humanitarianism where one just keeps giving doles and arms and feels very good. My name will be written in the book of the gods for all you know when we go back he is going to say you created so much havoc in this world that you know I had, I had given a wisdom with which this world was organized and you didn't respect that wisdom. So when we help we have to keep in mind that wisdom. So what is that wisdom which is operating in the world? Isn't uh, God capable of, if we take that view that there is the divine presence in all things, is he not capable of really removing the misery of this earth? Very much he is capable. Why doesn't he do it? That was the question asked by Anatoly France. Why doesn't he do it? If he can do it and if he uh, cannot do it, then why does he call himself God? So, there is a wisdom that is operating in creation and it is working to help us grow and evolve. And if we don't respect that wisdom, that everything must move upward and forward in the forward march of mankind, then we are heading for a disaster. See, look at Ravana. He had organized Lanka so well that it was at one point of time the dream destination. Like 30 years, 50 years back, no more now. People used to say America, dream world. No more now. But at some point of time, it was the dream destination. Why? Everybody who came got a free laptop and got a, sorry, but you know, something equivalent and got a house made of gold. That's how they say. They were given free housing scheme and the houses were made of gold. And everybody was provided for. He had some of the best physicians in the world. Sushen Vaid. Even <laughs> in India, Bharat world, they didn't have such a Vaid. So when there is, um, you know, Shakti Ban to Lakshmana, he is called all the way from Lanka that please help him out. And he comes after much uh, cajoling and ultimately Hanuman has to intervene that you please come. Don't try to, you know, be messy mess. And he comes on the guarantee that he'll be put back. Otherwise, you know, his life may be under threat. So that kind of development which took place and yet it collapsed. And we have to understand the reasons. It was not just about Ravana kidnapping Sita. Ravana was doing hundreds of things all the time. All civilizations which are built in such a way disregarding the others... Uh, they write their own doom. Shobindra speaks of this about Tro Trojan War. That Troy was one of the most developed civilization. But all around it, there were colonies which were not really developed. Tribes. And so it had to collapse. So whenever a human being tries to live, there is a very uh, nice word in Hindi. Um, in English also there is. Uh, but the English, Hindi word that comes to me is Upubhogitavad, consumerism. So what is Upabhogitavad, consumerism, where I believe the earth is only for my consumption. And this tendency, as long as it is there in humanity, this is the real evil. It stems from that selfishness where I, I am the only one and I live for myself, at the most for my uh, family, uh, as long as they flatter my ego. Otherwise, family also, you know, uh, maybe for my cousins, relatives, everybody does that. No big deal. And people give such wonderful names. Animals do it. Nothing special about humanity that human beings do it. But man is meant for something much greater. And that's what Shurabindo comes to remind us. Man is meant to engage with something like conscious evolution. And this conscious evolution, the first thing is to become conscious, to awaken. The biggest gift that we can do and help mankind is to awaken 
there is a very wonderful one line sentence of the mother what best gift you can give to a child you know we give children gifts when they have birthday uh, the best gift she says you can give to a child is to awaken in them the thirst to know to learn this thirst how do we awaken when they see parents are engaging in the thirst to know unfortunately by the time we are 30 we believe we know now we have to tell our children what they should do and shouldn't do so to awaken in a child the thirst to know it's a great gift and one of the simplest ways through which one can engage in conscious evolution is education all education implies that we believe we can change and grow and evolve that's why there is education animals don't have a system of education we have because we believe that human beings can improve upon themselves we can enhance our capacities we can enhance our consciousness we can become better human beings uh, so to augment our knowledge our capacity our faculties uh, to develop them this is what education is about so the real help that we can do is to awaken awaken towards the greater possibility within human beings within and how can we awaken if we are ourselves uh, asleep if our own life is uh, being led by the common stock ideas of you know eat drink party be merry and somehow we are believing in some kind of impossible miracle so if we really believe in humanitarianism the first need is to engage whole of humanity not just a classroom or a boardroom in this process of universal education this new concept which has come up not so new but something wonderful what it means is education is happening all the time let's take a simple example um when champaklal ji once he was you know used to wear the janeu so when mother once uh, saw him uh, you know wearing the janeu he just uh, she just asked him why do you wear it now you know he becomes conscious he says i wear it because uh, i don't really believe in it she asked something like do you believe in it no i don't really believe in it but i wear it because if i don't wear my parents will be unhappy so the mother made a very interesting remark she said but if you don't wear it your parents will evolve so what was good for humanity to wear it so much evil is being done just in the name of continuing traditions and customs which have become outdated so much evil it has become the source people are unable to evolve why because they are stuck in certain groups in the name of customs and we are told you know often uh, parents come sorry to say that and they want me to convince their children to get married so i tell them please let me have a word with you so i ask the child to be out and then i ask them one question only one question how long you have been married few years are you really happy one question no no second question no but that's how things are i said no 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 that's how things are because we believe that's how things could be but i am asking a very simple question are you happy have you discovered the joy of togetherness the joy of love the blossoming of love towards uh, you know diviner heights which which is what marriage is meant to really it's meant to you know take togetherness to what levels when we confront the challenge of life single handedly and when we confront the challenge of life with a counterpart feminine and masculine it can be something amazing but what it becomes it becomes a source of distress first to ourselves and to our children so but it's tradition something sacred 
So all these things, cobwebs, which we are carrying, they have to be removed. True humanitarianism begins when we understand at least the need to grow, to become conscious, to evolve. And I'm not speaking of evolution in terms of transformation and, you know, that's a big word and not everybody is ready to engage with it. But simple evolution to become a better human being. How does a person become a better human being? If we set that example of being a better human being, if you are, you know, as a child I used to observe in homes, houses, in every Indian household, in the Brahmin houses, you have Tulsi Pada. So I also had Tulsi Pada in my house. And there was a poem which spontaneously I had written, observing all the world around. Gharo mein ugte hain in your house, the plants that are growing within you is of hatred, of sense of, you know, quarrel and, you know, all this is growing up inside. But you have put a tulsi plant in the angan, in your courtyard. It's not enough. This inner change to awaken human beings to the need of inner change. And sometimes it can be a bitter medicine. It can be a bitter medicine. doesn't matter. Always trying to be goody-goodies, giving sweet lozenges. So there was this lady. I can narrate you some examples as I grew up. Must be five or six. And this lady used to come and always speak about her daughter-in-law. And always complaining, grumbling. That there is a group of people. Even if you give them, you know, whole universe, they will say it is so horrible. So you tell them leave it. No, no, no. Okay, make it better. No, no, no. The person who gave me so so she was all the time complaining and grumbling. So one day, uh, to my mother, not to me. Of course, I was a little ch- kid, and I would uh, pass by them. That day, I suddenly stopped and I told Thai. Thai, we used to tell her, why are you all the time, you know, speaking ill of your daughter-in-law? So she said, what is he saying? So my mother started, no, no, kuch he's a child, he says, he says such thing. No, 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 mom, don't stop me. This is not good. Every time I come, she's a nice lady. She was, to me, she was babi. I said, how can I listen my babi's burai all the time, you know, just because you are. I said, no, 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 she's a nice lady. She may be. Whatever to you, don't come and complain all this here. After that, I think in front of me at least, <laughs> all this stop. Now it is like a bitter medicine. You don't like, somebody doesn't like it, but it's needed. Sometimes you have to say just such words. It's not. This doesn't mean that you have to engage in trying to, you know, people in discussion, debate. No, that's not the way. We should be like a flower, blossoming. And uh, how does a flower help helping humanity? Just by being itself. Just by blossoming into a flower. Mother says there are people who just radiate love. They radiate beauty. They radiate joy. They radiate light. If you are in their company, you feel uplifted. They don't have to do anything. They don't have to speak a word. That's what we have to become. So even if we take it that we have to help humanity, then the best is to become who we truly are. To discover the divinity within us and to let it blossom in our life. Automatically, all the rest, all the rules of game, all the rules of life that we make. Be nice to others, be kind, speak good. Nothing is required if we follow this one rule. Let the divinity blossom within us. If it blossoms, everything, the right knowledge will come. What is to be spoken, when, where, 
maybe at times to help humanity we have to engage in a terrible battle like the battlefield of kurukshetra was krishna not helping humanity was he simply you know he should have told arjuna you are on the right track all these fellows they don't understand arjuna thank you for taking up the jhanda of non violence and i confirm your sanyas he doesn't do that he says arjuna you must fight why to help humanity if you don't fight first of all there'll be degradation of the kshatriya impulse in man see what was the indian system violence is not justified but the indian thought knew that there is this streak in human nature so what it did it channelized it in the culture of the kshatriya kshatriya was meant to take this violence and turn it into something divine so he was meant to use this strength this energy to protect the weak to protect the righteous to slay the evil to stand against all that is oppressing humanity and its forward advance how beautifully it was used to uh, make things uh, so he says that if somebody like you doesn't do that what will be the example of kshatriya it will be only the example will be of duryodhana and his kind that will be the example and second imagine what will happen to dharma in a land of dharma if a person who doesn't respect even his own sister in law what will be the state of affairs so this idea of humanity and humanitarianism is not being pacifist pacifism to try to make peace by all means yes but as shubindra says respect human life but respect more the life of humanity so while you must respect human life why human life only entire life of the entire creatures but you must see that human humanity must be respected because otherwise uh, will you know in trying to be so called good all this shubindra puts it so beautifully nessus on the gita who is the greatest lover of mankind shubindra describes krishna the master of man and his infinite lover lover of mankind is all madhuram 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 <laughs> sweet 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 too much sweet the perfect cure for diabetes is krishna antidote <laughs> but imagine krishna is the chakrapani on the battlefield of kurukshetra it's a paradox many people disown that krishna and want only that vrindavan wala krishna nice float and you know dance what is he has also danced the dance of kali so we have to understand what is important is to keep truth at the center dharma is the center dharma is the progressive unfolding of the truth dharma is nothing to do with rituals and outer professing of religion uh, dharma is how truth unfolds in life so to keep that at the center and then govern our life and our dealings with this world with others and most importantly to let that seed of divinity within us to blossom to its fullest then we become centers and dynamos of that living light and that's what is the best help we can give to others the best help is to be our own best self and the more we engage with with, with it the more we help others without even the idea that we are helping other that's a very very ostentatious idea or rather a self deceiving idea oh somebody is helping humanity <laughs> god will say have you helped yourself <laughs> we should again this idea of serving humanity humanitarianism we are here to serve the divine and when we serve the divine we serve humanity best otherwise we'll be just pandering and catering to the ignorant needs ignorant 
demands of everybody to serve the divine to love the divine is the best way actually of serving humanity because when we say serve the divine it's not just in a temple we have shut him and we are doing everyday puja to serve the divine means to serve the divine in this whole creation in humanity in the world and everywhere so to the end at the end to serve the divine to love the divine to be the divine be a radiating flower a channel an instrument to grow into the divine perfection is the best way we can be the utmost in terms of humanitarianism to put it paradoxically by becoming a divine humanity of the future we can best serve the cause of humanitarianism